you know, if there's a particular episode of 143 Pixels that speaks to you, you know, a game that you have played or a game that you started playing after listening to an episode of 143 Pixels, and you want to share your story with that game, then do me a favor and send an email to 143pixels at gmail.com. That's 143pixels at gmail.com. Tell me your story and I'll share it on a mailbag episode of 143 Pixels. Hey everyone, welcome to 143 Pixels. I'm Bill, and we're here to talk about games that we love. Each episode, I bring a friend, and that friend brings a game. This week, my friend is Charles McFall, and the game that he brought is Half-Life. We're going to talk about Half-Life, but before we do, I want to talk about who Charles is, why I decided to have him on the show. Uh, I, I first met Charles when an actual one of his co-hosts on uh, a show that he does called Breaking the Panel uh, had reached out to me on Twitter. We were both uh, up for the same podcast award. It was the best gaming podcast award uh, back in 2018. And Phil reached out to me on Twitter and said, hey, congratulations on being nominated. And I was like, wow, that's really nice of him. Uh, and then you know, we got to talking after... Uh, neither of us won and we got to talking and uh, he said you know what I'm on a show called breaking the panel you should come on and chat about you know things that you're a fan of with us and breaking the panel is basically a show about you know movies and tv and comic books and and video games all the things that people are big fans of and Charles is the host of that show and I met Charles and I was a little wary at first when I met him because he called himself the rock god of podcasting and I thought boy this guy's really full of himself I don't know if I can tolerate him I was wrong thankfully because he's a super nice guy and after just one episode uh, they you know they said hey Bill we'd like to have you back for another episode so they did and then they were talking about Dragon Con which is this huge convention in Atlanta, Georgia, and Charles happens to be the director of digital media uh, for DragonCon, and he said, uh, Bill, you should come to DragonCon. I have room for you on my panels. So basically, he's in charge of the digital media track, and he said, come down to DragonCon, come to Atlanta, Georgia, and we'll put you in front of a bunch of audiences to talk about creating digital media like podcasts and YouTube and Twitch. And, you know, I ran it by, past my wife and she said, go without a doubt, go. Uh, so I got on a plane and went and I got to meet Charles and a bunch of the other guys all uh, down there in, uh, in Atlanta. And I just had an absolute blast and that none of that would have happened if it weren't for Charles inviting me or for Phil uh, inviting me uh, to come on that show anyway. Uh, so Charles, in addition to being the director of the digital media track at DragonCon, he's also the founder of the Giant Size Team Up Network, of which I am now a member because I like these guys so much. I decided I was going to join the ranks. And uh, if you want more information about that, you can go to gstu.net 
And uh, he's also a Twitch streamer. You can find him over at twitch.tv slash media. Now that you know about my guests, I'm going to give you a little background on Half-Life. But first, we're going to hear from our sponsors. Stick around. The military cleanup is just a paranoid rumor, isn't it? Hey everybody, Bill here. I want to take a minute and talk about my process for making 143 pixels. It is a seasonal show, which means basically what I do is I I do all of the interviews and then I do a bunch of research and then I do a bunch of uh, recording and then I do a bunch of editing. And this takes a whole bunch of time. So what usually happens is I will get 10 episodes completely finished and then I will start releasing them. Some people may not want to wait for me to finish a full season before I start releasing it. And I've got good news for you. I recently, and honestly, I don't know why I didn't think of this before, but I recently uh, made an early access tier on the Patreon, which you can find over at patreon.com slash runjumpstomp. And if you join at the early access tier, then as soon as I finish an episode of 143 pixels, I post it and you get to listen to it like right away. You get your own RSS feed that is just for you. And I upload the podcasts as soon as I finish them rather than waiting until I get an entire season done. In addition, if you didn't know, uh, that also gets you access to all of my shows 100% ad-free. So again, that URL is patreon.com slash runjumpstomp. And without further ado, let's get to the next episode of 143 Pixels. Thanks for listening. Half-Life is a first-person shooter horror game that was developed by Valve back in November 19th, 1998. Well, that's the release date anyway. Uh, It was published by Sierra Studios, but it wasn't an easy thing for Valve to get published. I guess they they struggled to find a publisher uh, until finally Sierra Online, which later became Sierra Studios, said, yeah, we'll, we'll take a chance on you. And the reason why is because Valve had an ambitious plan for Half-Life, and it's a plan that they absolutely nailed. The game was written by Mark Laidlaw, and the uh, the music was composed by Kelly Bailey. The game was released on November 19th, 1998, and it earned the best PC game and best action game in 1998. Valve expected to get sales of somewhere around 180,000 units for the lifetime from the beginning when the game first went on sale until it came off of store shelves and you were no longer able to walk into a store and buy it. They expected to sell 180,000 copies. But by the end of just 1998, they already sold over 200,000 and would eventually go on to sell 9.3 million units in retail. Keep in mind that that's just boxed copies that you buy in the store. 9.3 million boxed copies of Half-Life sold in the store, and that does not include the digital purchases, of which I'm sure you know Valve is the creator of the Steam platform 
they are the granddaddy of PC digital distribution, and I'm sure that they sold many, many copies of Half-Life through the Steam store as well. The game even earned a Guinness World Record for the best-selling first-person shooter of all time. The setting for the game is the Black Mesa uh, Scientific Research Facility, and what happens is Gordon Freeman is this scientist who, uh, during an experiment, something goes wrong and all hell breaks loose and aliens from the Zen dimension, uh, they come through this rift to Earth and Gordon basically has to try and save as many people as, well, I guess he has to save himself and everyone else in the process. Uh, It was initially inspired by first-person games like Doom and Quake and this is really funny. It was also inspired by Stephen King's 1980 novella, the mist and the reason that that is interesting the reason why that is funny will be revealed later on in uh in the in the actual conversation between charles and myself so make sure that you stick around and check that out you'll find out why that is so hilarious because i don't think that charles knew that on top of that it was also based on a 1963 episode of the outer limits called the borderland and according to uh the one of the designers on the game harry teasley it was uh, basically they said that they wanted to scare you like Doom did. The thing that made Half-Life so interesting was its storytelling style. They told the stories while you were still in control of your character. So sure, there were cutscenes, but during those cutscenes, you were still Gordon Freeman. You weren't watching Gordon Freeman, and that made it feel like you were Gordon Freeman. Valve developed three theories about what made a level fun. First, it had to have several interesting things happen in the level and all while the player was near it. They had to be near the proximity of the event. Rather than having thing based on time, they had it based on where the player was. And the reason that this was so important is because some people play games a little faster than others. And having the players set the pace of the level meant they were always there for these big events. And those events felt organic. And Charles and I talk about that a little bit later on as well. Uh, Second, the level had to have means to respond to any player action. This was really cool. This, you know how in, in Fortnite you can spray a tag on the floor and everybody gets to see that tag that you sprayed? Well, you can thank Half-Life for that. Half-Life was the first game where you could make a little spray symbol. It it had a default of the the Greek letter Lambda, and you could spray that on the walls as you walked around. And if you didn't know why they used that symbol, that's because that is the symbol for Half-Life that scientists use when they talk about the Half-Life of radioactive decay and things like that. Uh, Finally, you also had uh, the the level had to warn the player of imminent danger and allow them to avoid it. So you never felt like you got killed cheaply. And that's something that's that's really important about good game design is you never feel like it's it's uh, unfair. It's important that the player feel like it's their fault for dying. And uh, Valve did a great job with that. Uh, Before we get to the actual conversation between Charles and I. There are some slight spoilers. I just want to let you know. And I'm going to play a little bit of the intro of Half-Life. This is something I plan on doing each episode, playing an intro when I can. So without further ado, here is Half-Life and and Charles and I talking all about it. This automated train is provided for the security and convenience of the Black Mesa Research Facility personnel. The time is 
8.47 a.m. Current topside temperature is 93 degrees with an estimated high of 105. The Black Mesa compound is maintained at a pleasant 68 degrees at all times. Due to the high toxicity of material routinely handled in the Black Mesa compound, no smoking, eating, or drinking are permitted within the Black Mesa transit system. Please keep your limbs inside the train at all times. Do not attempt to open the doors until the train has come to a complete halt at the station platform. In the event of an emergency, passengers are to remain seated and await further instruction. If it is uh, yeah, at the office, usually it's actually better internet than the house, but uh, they, whoever the company is that we contract with has decided to uh, send it intermittently to us today. So it crapped out early this morning and I fixed it. And it crapped out again, and it was almost two. I'm like, yeah, I gotta go. I gotta do this interview today, and I work for. I can most of my stuff I can do from home anyway. I just go to the office just to make them feel better. <laughs> well, speaking of going into the office, let's let's talk about uh, work exactly what we're talking about today, and that's. Uh, oh, by the way, Bill, I'm I'm Charles. Just so you, I know you don't recognize my face. It's okay. This man, that's not cool. It is a it is a real disease. It is. It is. I kind of half want to go. No, this is me. The other half is an asshole going. No, hey, I want to poke at you. It's actually. Uh, yeah, we'll we'll talk about half life in a second. But it's actually easier for me to recognize people uh, in two dimensions, like when I'm not meeting them in real life, and I have no idea okay. why that is. Interesting. God, yes, that is actually fascinating to me. I'd love to learn more about that uh so let's let's talk about let's talk about half-life uh half-life is a game that i think kind of it was seminal for a lot of us why why did you choose to talk about half-life that's uh it's actually a little bit of a dark story um i uh had mostly played nintendo games and i mean like everybody else I, uh, in the 90s on pc i cut my teeth on wolfenstein 3d and then doom and I don't remember various other little games here and there. And I just had had this bad breakup with this girl. I think her family was even involved. I can't remember, but it was embarrassing. And it was dark. And at the time, this is the dark part of the story. At the time, there was a game called Postal. Do you remember that game? I do. I do. Like, it was uh, it, very controversial. Yeah, because because in the 90s and it became a slang term going postal but a postal worker and i don't know the actual legit story this is a story that was told uh, essentially got way too stressed out whatever ended up going and shooting up a post office and going on a shooting rampage like mm -hmm. lost their mind and like in uh, breaking down you know that movie uh, and so uh they somebody made a game about it where you're a stick figure and you run around essentially murdering everybody and i was in a really dark place and thought that would help me so I went to Best Buy, and of course they didn't have it because they were a right standing citizen store at the time. <laughs> uh, and I'm flipping through, can't find it, can't, and this this box, the orange box, is sitting there. Well, not the orange box, that's Half Life Two, but it's Half Life Game of the Year Edition. Okay. And I'm like, man, I remember reading about this. I remember seeing this. So I went ahead and bought that instead. And just it was the first game I ever played that the opening cinematics just grabbed you. 
and you're in. And the whole time I'm looking at the walls and looking around and looking at everything, right? And seeing, you know, the signs go by. And it's this, man, it feels like a five-minute freaking intro to the game, but it's like playing a movie. And there's yeah. a lot more to it, but that's, that's my opening, why it grabbed me. And it took me from that really dark place to a geekier, more awesome place and – I could just go from there. It was amazing. Let's talk about that intro because uh, the people who are listening to the show just like because I'm going to I'm going to edit this in afterwards. Just finished hearing uh, part of the intro to that. But, the, you know, if they never played Half-Life, they might be a little confused because that's the thing that I'm going to be doing on the show is I'm going to take like the intro of whatever game that we're talking about. And it's going to separate like me talking about the history of yeah. the game uh, to from the interview part of it. But. Um, like that intro where you're, you're on a train. Can you, can you explain it to people? No, no. Okay. <laughs> it's quite difficult. No, I can try though. I can try. Um, you literally start out, you're Gordon, Gordon Freeman uh-huh. and you're a scientist and you're essentially, I, I can't remember the name of the mountain or the, 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 the uh, secret lab you're going to Aperture. black, black something. Black Mesa. Well, Aperture is a lab. Black Mesa, thank you. You're going to Black Mesa. And you're right, Aperture is, is a lab because that plays in later. Right. Uh, but it's this very, you get, I can't remember if you get off a train or what it is, but you get on this thing that takes you around and through and down. You're seeing all these warnings about uh, special security clearance past this point. And, and you get this feeling. Not knowing any story, that's how they drop you in. You literally open your eyes as a character and you're walking out of whatever, or walking onto the train as the first person shooter. Um, and it just had, at the time, phenomenal graphics. And as it's loading in, and now I know it, they are probably loading in game assets in the background. Yeah. But as it's loading, you're, you're, you're the person going through and you're going to have to this security check and that security check. And you do, and they welcome Mr. Freeman. And there's there's police characters who talk to you, and other doctors who talk to you. And somebody meets you, and they start explaining what your job is going to be. And then something goes wrong, and you can see stuff, and the world turns upside down. And now you're left as a scientist to figure out how to survive. Which is also, by the way, why I love Dead Space as well. I never played Dead Space. We'll have to have you on to talk about that game at some point sure. as well. Uh, so in episode 143 after you've run the first 142 series. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll see. Uh, so uh, you're Gordon Friedman. You're this uh, uh, like uh, particle physicist or something. And yep. they the, like I, I feel like in this game, you're a grunt like you are not. Yeah. Like top of the line because they're they're you're like NPC in this game basically yeah they're like hey lab coat go get in this giant uh, thing and go push buttons and uh, yeah. and because you're in this giant thing and pushing the buttons you're like one of the few people that survives uh, this uh, and I love the um, that the first chapter unforeseen consequences like the yes. like the title of the chapter was just so. I was like, "Oh, what is happening here?" And, and uh, the the voice acting's pretty good too. You want to talk about that a little bit? Uh, I honestly don't remember much about it. I what I remember, especially about the intro, and I know we've gone on about it, and we'll we'll come back to the voice acting. But it's the first time I'd seen a game load that I could interact with my environment. Now you're in this little rail car, mm-hmm. right? And elevators went up, but I'm looking around. I'm looking out at the beautiful mountain vistas, and 
I am controlling what I look at as it's talking to me and as I'm going down. That's That was one of the things that also stood out. Uh, so, yeah, the voice acting is probably one of the early games that had really good voice acting. And characters had a voice. So it wasn't the same voice for character A, B, C, and D. It was this one scientist who interacted with you. That's what he sounded like. This person sounds like that. Now, some of them had generic voices. but yeah. Uh, and the thing is, as Gordon, you never speak. I love that. Every time they start to ask you something, something goes wrong. You literally never have to talk to a person in the game. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like that as a human being. Sometimes I don't <laughs> like talking to people. Uh, so, uh, what was your what was your best experience? Like, what's your what's the moment in the game uh, other than that intro where you're like, oh man, this is this is some next level stuff. This is this is something that I've not seen before. I can't remember if it was the head crabs or the ladder. And that's still early on in the game. But I was used to, I had played some, um, um, oh, I just forgot it, XCOM, which is a whole different mindset, right? It's a strategy game. But used to, I'm a Doom player, right? Especially at this point. So you go and you got the shotgun, demon blast it in the face. Another demon blast it in the face. And all of a sudden in this game, this dude is walking down the hall and this weird alien attaches itself to his head, which we found out later is called a head crab. Go figure. And all of a sudden he's coming at you and you pick up a crowbar and you smash your friend in the face. Oh my God. To kill the, the crowbar. Yes. The crowbar was your best tool in the whole game. And then when the crab gets on you, I'm literally freaking out, smashing the keys. So you have to hit <laughs> yourself there or you shake it off or something. So I don't remember if it was that, that went, oh, this is like something I've never seen. Or the fact that I had to figure out how to time the jump just right to get to the ladder because you're a scientist, not pitfall dude. You know, you can't just jump and climb up walls. You, you, as a real scientist, you don't know to how to pick up a gun and nothing was accurate. You know, you're, you're, you never could go bam, bam, bam and kill three people. It's like empty the clip because you don't know how to shoot because you're a scientist. And that, that to me was underlying things of this game is amazing. This is, this is different than anything else I've ever played because it's treating me like a human being and not a super soldier. Yeah. I mean, I can understand that you're not a super soldier kind of thing, but I never felt like the game was, Unaccurate when I was trying to make my shots or anything, uh, so that that's well. Odd. You maybe, might have had a better sense of everything that I. I freaked <laughs> out. Okay, just for reference, when the invisible pink monster that we affectionately call Pinky and Doom Two came out for the first time, okay, uh, I freaked out, smashed all the buttons. My buddy starts slapping me, saying, "Kill it, kill it, kill it." So, <laughs> you know, accuracy might be on my part, not so much the games, but I still love that you are a scientist, not the super soldier. Uh, it's a very solitary experience, although. At the same yeah. time, they also do have like they they'll have people from time to time that'll go with you places. So like you can go up to mm-hmm. a police officer character or a scientist character, and I think you would like push E or something, and they would be like, "Okay, I'll follow you," and then they would follow you along for yeah. for a while. And I always use that like I would grab like the police character because they've got a gun, and th- so yeah. they could come with me. And and I can use them for you know they can body block to make sure exactly. like I can get behind cannon them. fodder <laughs> yeah. yeah basically cannon fodder uh, but d- did you play through Doom or Doom not Doom uh, Half Life multiple sorry, times oh yeah 
Yeah, I played through it multiple times. I got the orange box for Half-Life 2 and Portal and, and everything that came with that. Uh, um, but I'm making a face as you're talking about the cop. Um, because I remember, quite frankly, running out of ammo, looking at the cop, and he had his gun, and they couldn't hit crap, right? So I kind of take out my crowbar, conk, hit him on yep. the head, take his gun, now I have ammo. I oh. felt bad, but you know what? You're just a character. I need your gun, man. That's true. Uh, it, was, yeah. it was very survival to the fittest. Like, you, you are this hero in the game, but yeah. you, you, you have the ability to do very non-heroic things, and there's no... There's no punishment in the game for doing that. In yeah. fact, there's a reward because it seems like they don't run. I I could remember this wrong because it's been a long time since I've played it. Um, but I don't think that they would run out of ammo. So if you did run out of ammo, that's like carrying around an extra clip uh, yeah. by having them follow you. Uh, did you notice anything different the second or third time that you didn't notice the first time that you were playing through? Um, I wasn't as scared. I was more accurate uh, at things. Um, I'm very much an experiential player. So it's all that new, what's going on, you know, discovery. Uh, playing through the second and third time, it was, okay, can I do this different? Can I feel better about it? Can I be more of a badass? Uh, honestly, I never got over the... Uh, the men in black, you know, walking through in the background, oh, wanting to yeah. know where'd he go? He was just standing there staring at it. where'd he go? And then there was the scientists who were trying to protect their work. I hated them <laughs> so much. I hated them. Um, and that never changed. The puzzles were rudimentary. So the second or third time, I was like, oh, okay. But yeah, those men in black went into, uh, I kept trying to find ways to figure out where they would disappear to because they'd be up on some catwalk that you couldn't get to and uh-huh and I, I i searched for hacks and uh it's not out there i i loved those characters especially because this game came out around i you know, well i gotta be honest i'm not sure if it came out around the time I, like when did this come out do you remember i'm sure that i that said mid 90s so. mid 90s yes yeah, so x files would probably huge at the time right yeah yeah so yeah like that 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 guy uh, like very much reminded me when I played this of cigarette smoking man. Like that's what I had in yes. my head as this guy who was, you knew yeah. that he was up to no good, but sometimes like he would, he would do something that was useful for you. Maybe he would open a door that you couldn't get through before right. or something like that. So you always kind of, whenever they showed up, you had this feeling of, Oh man, they're making me nervous, but they're also helping me out at the same time. And I don't know why they're helping me out. And that was scary and awesome at the same time. And I always felt yeah. like I was waiting for them to turn on me. Exactly. You knew you were playing a story you didn't understand. And I think that follows references a very, very good one. Uh, but also, I think what stuck out to me through all of it is the universe. I don't know if they meant to build a universe, but they absolutely did. Where then they added on expansion packs of of, of Blue Shift, mm -hmm. and then you know Half Life Two had some expansion packs as well. And, and you become this hero. And I love, I love being able to change how I look in the game. I don't know what it is, but as you go from the lab coat, you get this radiation suit, you get these other things. And you kind of upgrade how you look, and it does some things, but it really doesn't. It just moves the story along, I think, in this one. Um, 
but it's that that something else is going on and we don't know what and yeah the smoker is a great reference of okay i i i at the end of each one i still wanted to kill him i still wanted to put a bullet <laughs> in his head and i don't remember i don't think you get to do that you know there's so much in this thing you don't get to do it leaves you asking questions and i love that it does i i i played through it well not through it i i booted it up again i don't know like a year or two ago just because i i was talking about how much i loved it to somebody and i was like you know what i feel like i should try it out again uh and i forgot how fast shooters used to be like half-life is an incredibly fast game when you hit that w key on your keyboard gordon freeman is trucking real quick yeah and like he is booking it down the down the rampway or whatever uh and it's it's really hard to control because i'm so used to the slowness of of games now in fact uh, so you were streaming yesterday, uh, Borderlands three over on your Twitch yes. channel, uh, twitch.tv slash GSTU media. And I stopped in and watched for a little bit and it remarked to me, or, or the thing that I noticed that, that I found so remarkable is how slow that game is compared to the older shooters like half-life. Um, when was the last time you played half-life? So that's a sad story. Um, and Steam came from this. Valve is a company that made Half-Life. Uh, I believe this is a game that really made them successful. Mm-hmm. And at some point in this progression, they became, or they, they started Steam, the online platform. And now that's kind of what they focus on. It feels yeah, that like. was when with, uh, when Half-Life 2 came out. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, so I had put all my games on there, as some of this is this is still early days of steam this is three or four years in when there were still security issues and essentially i got locked out of my account and i was like okay let me change the password and i went through all this stuff i I went through so many hoops to change the password and finally got it done and wrote it down this time and actually stuck it in the orange box so i know (laughs) how to, to play my game and at some point i i built another computer or whatever went to do it nothing worked and I vaguely remember the only way to get them to unlock my account, because at this time they were really big. They were, I may be wrong about this, but I feel like Steam pioneered that online digital only store. Uh, We're taking money and we're, so there's a lot of legal issues that go with that. So I want to say at the time, the only way to get my account unlocked, because I kept hitting reset password, send it to me, I forgot. It would never come to my email at all. And it's like, well, the only way to do it was like to take pictures of serial numbers and the contact. And I just gave up. So I basically lost all of my original library and just haven't rebought it. Because uh, nowadays you can probably get Half-Life for five bucks or something. Yeah. Um, so it's probably been 10 years since I played last. Yeah, I feel like uh, I have to pour one out for my homie now because Gordon Freeman's never coming back. I'm holding my breath for Half-Life 3, but... I think everybody is every, everybody who's ever played the Half-Life games uh they're constantly there's there's always something tickling at the back of their brain saying you know what maybe this is the year where Steam says where Gabe Newell will get up on stage and say hey everybody uh let's talk about Half-Life and uh, you know if you thought that when Final Fantasy VII Remake was announced, if you thought that that was a reaction yeah. <laughs> for Half-Life 3 to get announced, 
the internet, the, the world, the world would shake, I think, from the cheers of all of the fans. Yeah. Uh, was there anything about the game that, that you didn't like that, that just uh, that bothered you that that you just didn't love? The jumping we were it was the jumping was that killed me more than any alien, any other button push was trying to time those jumps across those gaps to either grab that ladder or to get to that next platform. And if you didn't do it just right uh and and i was a rage player then man i had lots of anger issues so um i'm sure there's many a mouse and keyboard that got broken over <laughs> the fact that the game cheats it's just now i can look back i was just early coding you know it was like you said it was super fast and everything is a little off in it uh, compared to today um i didn't like you know going to half-life 2 i hate that they did not give us an ending they had a third a chapter three planned and announced, and mm-hmm. it just yeah. vaporized. So I remember the end of Half-Life 2 was these big alien walkers, which infuriated me, too, because it's not that kind of game. It's not huge boss battles run around and dodge, and this isn't Halo, you know, yeah. but they did it. And I'm like, okay, I got past this horrible part of this game. All right, chapter two ends. Let's get back to the story because that's what really drives this game is is that that you don't know what's going to happen next story and how is it all going to come together, and it never appeared. And to this day, it's like, not that I have an ex-wife. You know, I've only been married once. But it's like the ex-wife that went out for cigarettes and you haven't heard from her <laughs> since. Like, just, just give me some closure, man. Yeah. Let me have the end of the story. Make a movie. Dude. Do you remember Stephen King? I don't know. I don't remember what story this is based off, but he made a movie mid 2000s, probably late 2000s, because after Half Life 2 came out, called The Mist. I've, I've heard of it, but I don't know anything okay. about it. You should, after we record, you should look at the trailer. Because if you've rebooted in any kind of framework, you've rebooted the game and seen it. When the trailer for The Mist comes out, the shot of this little town and the mountain that's out there, I went. This is a Half-Life movie. This is a Half-Life movie. And the whole trailer is, this is a Half-Life movie. All of a sudden, there's these aliens that look like head crabs, and they're attacking people's faces. I'm like, we get a Half-Life movie. And they didn't mention Gordon Freeman anywhere. I'm like, well, maybe we get what happened in the town while Gordon was doing this. And it turned out to be The Mist, which is a fine film, especially if you like (laughs) Stephen King. But it was such a disappointment that that was, because everything about the initial trailer screamed, this is a Half-Life movie. And it wasn't. And I was like, oh, man, of all the things you could have made into a movie, shut up and give, take my money. I, you yeah. know what I, I like the, is is the, the, the one thing that you dislike about the game most is that they didn't give you enough of it. And uh, that, yeah. that that says a lot about it. For me, it's the uh, the vents. Uh, the, the oh, vents yes. are, oh my God, you are constantly <laughs> crawling around in vents and I'm, and you get uh, lost so easily in the vents. Yeah. Uh, it's like, I think that, cause I, I did a little research and they said something about it's diehard meets, um, Stephen King or something like that. I can't remember what okay. they said, I can uh, see that. or diehard meets X-Files or, or something like that. But sure. You know, you're constantly crawling around in the vents like Bruce Willis in Die Hard with his lighter, you know, making quips. Uh, of course, Gordon doesn't make any quips, but the, the vents were Which so scary because you'd be walking down or you'd be crawling down this vent and you you just can't move as fast 
as you can yeah. in the rest of the time, which I know we oh, talked and about. And the crab come around the corner. Yeah. And, you're, you're, yeah. and you're like, you're trying to shoot at it and, and, it, and it, it closes in on you way too fast. Yeah. Uh, but man, I, I, I loved that. I, I, and I love the way that, and again, I love the way that they, they told the story uh, where you were just a, this silent observer of everything that, that happens around you. Yes. And everything happens around you. It happens when you yes. get there. So just like you were saying before, where every time they go to ask you a question and you're about to hear Gordon speak for the first time and answer, all hell breaks loose because you're there for every big moment. It's so cool. <laughs> um, Which was very much like playing a movie. Mm-hmm. And not, you know, we had those those cinematic games where it was all movie realistic and you'd make choices and then you'd see the quick time video kick in and we had, but this was the first time I felt like I was watching a movie, yet moving through it at my pace and influencing it at the same time. <laughs> Did you ever like in the when the characters are talking to you and stuff, you, you just ju- jump up on tables like some kind of maniac, and they all and their <laughs> yes, and their yes, their heads would track you, like they would watch you, and yes. so like you're standing up on this thing, <laughs> they're looking up at you like, what do you think, Gordon? <laughs> I always yeah, love that. Was- Especially in the second or third. Now, the first time, too, I'm taking it, like, on my edge of the seat, uh-huh. on the edge of my seat. You're serious. Second or third time, I was like, yeah, let's see what kind of goof off we can do. And and I, I would take it to where um, they'd be talking to me. I'd put the pistol in their face and shoot them. And they'd go, ow! And they'd keep talking. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. I was like, all right, I got to quit messing around. Uh, and then, you know, that voice in the back of my head was like, if anybody sees how you play this game, they're going to think you're totally psychotic. Yeah. But then you get to watch me stream Borderlands, and you know I'm, I'm fairly psychotic when I play games. So there you go. Uh, it is what it is. How, how did you feel about uh, this? This part always drove me a little crazy. Was when I would be, uh, or when I was playing, and the soldiers show up, and you think, okay, uh, you know, help is here, and then they start shooting at you. I loved. The way that that moment yeah. made me feel where I was like, oh, my God, these guys aren't here to help. They're here to clean up and kill all of the survivors. Yeah, I yeah, something was ominous about the Blackhawk that came in. And I was like, I don't know. I was like, I don't know. But I'm still this naive kid, and I'm going, I mean, kid, I was probably 18 or something at the time. I don't remember. 1998. I looked it up. 1998 is when it came out. Uh, so it's game of the year. So it's probably late mid ninety nine mm-hmm. uh, when I got it, um, and so yeah, those they come around the corner and they start shooting, and then the rage kicked in. And I'm like, I will murder you all. <laughs> I think I did for the most part. Um, yeah, that that twist was great because learning the scientists were really behind this and they kind of wanted it to happen was was pretty amazing because it's that dark everything is dark about the game yeah. but you don't realize that right you're like do do bright colors on the cover bright intro and you're i'm going to work for this secret factory uh secret science lab and then then yeah when it goes wrong there's lots of people who are screaming wanting help they like you said they'll go with you and they they'll help you out but then to realize the real thing driving the game is the the dark side of x files is no we we absolutely tried to open this portal and now the government's coming in to, to clean it up. Did you ever play the uh, add-on pack opposing force where you were those soldiers coming in? You know, I never did. I I own I own every Valve game because I bought a Steam controller. And when you buy a Steam mm-hmm. controller, it comes with every Valve game 
uh, that they had ever made and will ever make is the deal. Like you just get them for free, which is cool. Um, So I have all that stuff, but I've never played it because I I don't know. I just, I, I've been too busy playing newer games. Yeah. And that's my thing too. Now um, I'm very much a graphic snob. If they were, if somebody were to stream this, I'd, and actually now that I think about it, I'll probably look up on Twitch, somebody's probably streaming it somewhere. Mm-hmm. I'd probably watch them play it, but to sit down and there's of time playing it again, when I have Borderlands 3 came out and I have, you know, Mutant Year Zero and all these really sharp newer games, I, I don't think I could do it uh, to play it again. But I do remember just eating up everything that came out that way. And uh, Opposing Force was so difficult. You are the Marines to come in and clean up. Yeah. And I did not know how to deal with that. And I honestly don't remember. I think I didn't finish that pack. I think I just went, no, I'm, I'm good. So are you just in there yeah. killing the scientists or are, are you hunting Gordon? Um, you are actually in there to clean up, you know, initially. Uh, I'm reading because I don't remember. I'm reading off the Wikipedia. Uh, but you're basically, you're left isolated to survive against the... I mean, so I think it's kind of the same idea, is that you're going in to kill the humans and clean up, and then not knowing the extent of what we're wrong. You do see Gordon. I do remember that. You do see Gordon from time to time, but it's like he there he goes down the hallway. And you go, oh, that's Gordon. And then all of a sudden some monster comes out and blocks your path. And you got to <laughs> go a different way. Uh, I do kind of remember that. Uh, it, it was, man, it could have been, it could have been bigger than Halo. I don't know what happened with the finances. What what I'd love to see that documentary. You know how we get documentaries on Netflix about you know, the ET oh, yeah. uh, discovery and this uh, uh, King of Kong. I'd love to hear uh, half life, you know, call it half life's dead or, you know, whatever. And, and give me a, 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 an honest to God valve approved documentary on what happened with this game. Because the more we talk about it and the more I read to refresh myself, I'm like, there was so much here and I have not talked to somebody who's touched this game, who didn't love this game. And wants the third game to come out, you know? So obviously it had to do with, with finances or something. I think the real reason is because they found out that they can make a lot more money uh, selling games than they can making games. Yeah, uh, but, uh, but at the same time, they also made Portal and Portal Two, and then they made Left for Dead and Left for Dead Two and Left for Dead Three, and you know, there's this whole joke that that Valve can't count to three. Or wait, no, did they make Left for Dead Three? No, no. Okay, yeah. So yeah, they just they stop it too because they can't count to three, and it, it's it, yeah. it is frustrating. I can I I'm with you on that. Uh, so I guess do you think that this game would do well today, or do you feel like, I think I know the answer, or do you feel like it is a game that is within its time? And, uh, you know, if it didn't get released back in 1998, if it came out today, uh, you know, 2019, would it be a, a hugely successful game with, like, no real multiplayer to speak of outside of Deathmatch? Um. Oh, that's that's a good question. I I I think with the success of stuff like Stranger Things and Altered Carbon, and I mean 
go with any kind of sci-fi slash alien story. Uh, the Expanse. That's really West Wing set in space, kind of. I mean, that, that's oversimplification of that series, that TV series. But it's very much a political-based thriller set in outer space. It's very little, at least in the first season, it's very little sci-fi mystery, but there's enough sci-fi mystery there for you to go, what's next? And, ooh, I like the politics, and how is this working? I think if they if they did it to today's standards, it would blow, it'd be game of the year again. I mean, I really do think it'd be game of the year. Now, when it was done, I mean, that's the thing. I think they just wrote a good story. It wasn't the mechanics that that changed the gaming world. It was how they played the story out, and you didn't have to get spoon-fed every little bit of it to go, oh, I like this game. It was, we still don't know half of what, most of actually what went down in Black yeah. Mesa. Mm-hmm. You know, even playing Portal and Portal 2, where you get to go through Aperture and you get to kind of get another. And again, it's a universe. I talked about this in Borderlands. It's a universe that they've built with Half Life. And Half Life 2 is eight hours later. You know, it's Oof. crazy. I think it's eight hours. Maybe there's some other game that was eight hours later, but it was, it's not that much longer uh, um, where the game is set. Uh, and it doesn't say real quick while I'm scanning here. Uh, but it's basically this and you're eating it up and then there's these expansion packs. So you're seeing all these different sides of the story. I think that today, if they came out with if it had never been released before and they came out with this kind of story set with the new graphics, the good storytelling we have now. And, then, and that's what this has influenced that. Yeah. I mean, I imagine absolutely that this would be game of the year. I, I, I have to agree. It's 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 an amazing, um, <clears throat> it's an amazing story that they told, and uh, the way that they told it was so unique at the time, and I feel like it's still unique today. I know that other other games have kind of aped it a little bit, uh, but the way that they told the story, I, I don't think that many games do that anymore. There's a lot more cutscenes where. You know, you're playing and then, oh, control is taken away from you and you're watching something happen. And then they give control back. This, you were in control yeah. the whole time. And, uh, I, you know, Valve, Gabe, listen, bring us Half-Life 3 and we will buy it in droves. All right, before so we get out of here, there's one thing that I want to ask you to do for me. It's something that I'm going I, to try doing uh, with every guest. I just want you to say before you go, Resolution doesn't matter. But it does. But you got it's just the catchphrase. I got, okay, all right, I'll do it. I'll do it. <laughs> Resolution doesn't matter. The theme song for 143 Pixels is Through a Cardboard World by Tony Lays. You can find more of their music at tonylays.bandcamp.com. If you want to follow the show on Twitter, you can find it at Pixels143. And if you want to follow me, I'm at RunJumpStomp. This show is part of the Giant Size Team Up Network. For more information, head on over to gstu.net.